Good afternoon and welcome to Living Permaculture on KDNK. I'm Vanessa Harmony of Colorado Edible Forest, joined by my co-host, Jerome Osentowski. Today we're exploring dimensions of careers in farming and topics affecting our regional farming community by examining the career history and current employment position of our guest, Jen Gigiarelli. Jen is currently the membership coordinator for Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Welcome to the program, Jen. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, Jerome and Jen and I have a unique connection to one another. In 2016, it was my pursuit of a career in farming that led me to Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute to grow Jerome's edible landscape nursery. And in 2018, I sought an apprentice to grow the nursery with me. I ended up selecting a livestock farmer by the name of Jen Gigiarelli from the East Coast. Jen was seeking to widen her experience in farming by learning the nursery and edible forest farming trade. We had the pleasure of working a season together and living up on Basalt Mountain at Jerome's Institute. After the Edible Forest Garden Nursery Apprenticeship, Jen returned to livestock farming as the livestock lead at Rock Bottom Ranch in Emma. And last year, Jen accepted a position as membership coordinator with Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Jen, I applaud you for gaining so many different perspectives in agriculture through your farming career. And I do want to hear more about that. But in the meantime, would you tell us first what drew you to farming in the first place? Thank you so much, Vanessa. Um, yeah, so no one no one tells you to become a farmer growing up, um, at, at least when I was growing up, um, like unless your family is already in it. And even then, sometimes they tell you to get out of it. Uh, but as a, as a first-generation farmer... Um, someone who's kind of the first in my family to take it up as a career. It, it kind of happened by accident, but it, it, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I kind of grew up, I loved animals as a kid, and I really wanted to be a vet. Um, I had this incredibly impactful environmental science teacher in high school. So shout out to teachers. Y'all are very important. And then I've also always been a bit obsessed with kind of food. I'm always thinking about my next meal. And so um, I wound up pursuing a, a degree in nutrition and, and dietetics in college. Um, but once I graduated, I kind of realized I didn't want to go the registered dietitian route. I was, I was more interested in kind of food systems and where food came from than I was in prescribing diet choices to other people. And so I kind of happened to start volunteering on a small local veggie farm in Pennsylvania. And that was really just to kind of get some produce for free because I had very little money to get by on. Um, but from then I, I was hooked and the cascade of different farm jobs ensued. Yeah. And uh, so you started off volunteering at a veggie farm. And then tell us about your next endeavor. Yeah, so I started off at the veggie farm. And then I, I you know, I like, uh, I transitioned into, into goat dairy, um, which was an interesting step. I kind of, I knew that I wanted to farm from my experiences at the veggie farm, um, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I, I literally looked up every single farmer's market in my area and emailed every single vendor at every single farmer's market just being like, I want some opportunity, I want an internship, a job, whatever you have. And one of the very few places that got back to me was Yellow Springs Goat Dairy, um, which was this amazing, small, sustainable goat dairy in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. Um, and they really took a chance on me. I really had no experience and a ton of naivety. Um, but uh, yeah, they gave me a chance and I wound up managing that place for several years. Um, moved on to do a diversified livestock 
apprenticeship um, at the Glenwood Center in Hudson Valley, New York, and then moved to Colorado, where I got to meet you and Jerome, learn from y'all, work with y'all before transitioning to Aces at Rock Bottom Ranch and now uh, Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. So how has the transition from hands-on farming to more public policy been for you in your new role? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly been a transition. Um, like on one hand, it's it's difficult for me to like not be waking up every morning and immediately going outside to like check in with all the living things that I get to care for and and like move my body and breathe air. Like I start the day by sitting at my computer and like going into email jail. Um, but, and like, I, I miss how even like being outside, like no matter what weather it is outside, like kind of tempers you in body and spirit. Um, but then on the other hand, I've like also entered into this very like complex intellectual and sometimes really tedious field of, again, emails and organizing and disseminating information and having like endless virtual teams meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was kind of the change I was looking for. Like I really wanted to be challenged in these new ways and and develop these skills and broad in perspectives that I otherwise didn't have the space or time to explore before when I was just kind of like nose to the ground farming. Um, and I'm feeling really blessed to work with the team at Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. They're, they're people who are just so smart and care so deeply. And I've, I've got great gratitude and respect for all I've learned through them and through other organizations we work with. I mean, we work with like Colorado State University and the Colorado Department of Ag and all these other farm organizations. And we work with legislators and their staff. Just all of it is really exciting for me. Um, but, you know, like mostly getting to know like other farmers and ranchers and producers kind of who's doing what and what region within our network and, and what they care about, what they're challenged by, what they have questions around. That's that's kind of the part that's especially engaging for me. Um, that said, I, I don't think I'm done with farming yet. And I'm hoping that like into the future, I'll find a way to balance the two areas of work. But right now, the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union gig does require my full attention as I'm kind of gaining these new skills in this world. And until then, I just kind of channel my identity crises into my garden at home, which works. <laughs> and the territory you cover is not just the Roaring Fork Valley. Tell us what is your your territory as your the membership coordinator. Yeah, so I guess a little background. So Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, we're we're a grassroots family farm and ranch organization, and we represent over seventeen thousand members that are organized into kind of like twenty two chapters across the states of Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. And so Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, we support rural communities and agricultural ways of life through kind of advocating for legislation that our members want to see. We provide business support through cooperative um, development business models. And we also offer a lot of educational programs like the Fellows Program, and we have youth leadership camps. Um, And then additionally, we also uh, develop kind of special programs based on any relevant needs at the moment. So some examples of that are like we have this AgWell program that provides resources and trainings around mental health and wellness for folks in ag and rural communities to kind of address the stress and suicidality among these populations, which is a really real thing. Um, or we have the Drought Advisors Coalition, and um, they help to pro- uh, they help producers across the state of Colorado develop kind of drought plans specific for their operations so they can be more resilient and ready in the face of diminishing water supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, so with my job specifically within this whole organization, I am currently membership coordinator for Western Colorado and New Mexico. And so I have this really amazing opportunity where I get to 
kind of travel all over those regions. I meet with farmers and ranchers and folks in ag. I help them organize local events or get resources that they need out to them. I hear them out on issues they're facing and try to help to rally like listening sessions with legislators or help gain testimonies for important bills impacting agriculture, kind of all sorts of stuff. And it it looks really different day to day. Um, but our local chapter here in the Valley is Roaring Fork Farmers and Ranchers, um, which we support along with another great organization called National Young Farmers Coalition. And uh, Roaring Fork Farmers and Ranchers is a really great group of folks. Um, they typically host farm tours and potluck socials. They share pertinent info or resources with each other. And the officers who run it include Mariah Foley of Rock Bottom Ranch, Alyssa Barsanti of Marigold Livestock, Dara Unger, who runs the Montessori School Garden, and Harper Kaufman of Two Roots Farm. And we usually have a, 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 a dinner at the, at the end of the season. We had one at Rock Bottom Ranch, and uh, Tiffany and her partner put that on for us, right? And uh, Yeah, yeah. So that was sponsored by our group, but like huge props to Tiffany um, and her partner at Farmer and Chef. They put on that dinner to appreciate some of the farmers and ranchers in our community. And it's really felt, you know, we're often putting on farm to tables for other people, but to have one put on for us feels really, really special. So that's an awesome yeah, thing. That's and right. we should mention that we have an upcoming uh, Rowing Fork Farmers and Ranchers meeting coming up on Tuesday, the Tuesday after this show is going to air, and it's oh, going really? to be at Ross, Mo- Ross Montessori School. So if anybody is interested, um, you can show up at Ross Montessori School. I'm actually not sure what time yet. Uh, yeah, I believe it'll be at 5.30, and okay. Dara's going to show us a little bit of what she's doing. I think I'll provide a little legislative update after um, legislative session for Colorado has closed this past week. Um, and yeah, any other pertinent info from any other farmers in the area? So, and, and is there food there? Uh, uh, yeah, that's a great question, Jerome. So, um, actually, our our special program, Agwell, which I mentioned, helps support farmers through through stress and and um, just like mental health issues. We are providing in conjunction with National Young Farmers Coalition. We'll be sponsoring some food and beverages there. But like any good farmer meeting, it's always welcome to BYO as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we have a fairly robust, you know, farmers group here. We've had some really great uh, meetings and and uh, other dinners in the past three or four years, um, you know. And it's been and it keeps growing, right? And uh, I mean, I don't know how how it's going to, you know, we'll have to just see what um, what's what's in the future because of. It's getting harder and harder to be a farmer, right? Uh, you, you have some issues with other, some of your other farmers, but not only just drought, but it's uh, with zoning. So we're looking, uh, you know, going having having gone through two years of 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 uh, total mayhem of trying to farm and teach farming, uh, and got turned down by the county, denied my special use permit. Uh, this this is something that's going to come up over and over again for farmers. And uh, in um, Delta County, they passed strict zoning, so it was a thousand people showed up at the county seat to to uh, protest the new zoning that will affect not only the way you farm, but how you're building your structures and how you're building your homes. Natural building will probably be out uh, for Bowdoin. Uh, in Delta County, in Swatch County, um, same thing. That happened about four years ago. They changed the zoning and made a lot of things more difficult. Um, 
Yeah, so those are the challenges affecting us in the Roaring Fork Valley and and also Delta County. Um, do you experience that the people in New Mexico have the same sorts of challenges? Um, yeah, New Mexico is actually a really interesting one because, uh, you know, it's just so culturally different from, honestly, a lot of the other states, not only just Colorado. I mean, they have a totally unique irrigation system, like the Acequia system there. They're managed by these kind of like localized mayordormos typically. Um, and, and another unique thing about Me- New Mexico is it, it's such a, a hotbed um, of all these like beautiful different tribes that exist there and all kind of have their own government structures that exist both separate and in conjunction with our state and national governments too. So New Mexico is kind of like it's its own thing. Um, and I'm really looking forward to in the next two weeks um, spending some time down there. We're working with some farmers down in the San Juan uh, River District by like Navajo Nation and trying to brainstorm ways in which we can help them advocate both with their governments and in conjunction with ours around their um, irrigation systems and things like that. Um, And then, yeah, just general conservation work down there. But uh, we did have some legislation passed in the most recent uh, New Mexico legislative session. Um, The Land of Enchantment Act was passed, which allocated a lot of really important funding to um, farming and conservation efforts and things like that. So um, there's people doing really, really great work down there. And we, uh, yeah, have the, the privilege of working with a lot of really cool organizations down in New Mexico. And water is going to be a challenge because you know, there was a big call on water and, and supposedly the tribes. Everybody's supposed to ante up. Uh, no, nobody wants to do that. Colorado doesn't want to give any more water to Lake Mead and Lake Powell than they have to. And so that... I don't think they've solved any of that issue, but uh, we're going to probably have a little wetter spring and summer this year, but uh, who knows about next year or whether. But that's going to be an issue of water, and uh, fortunately mm-hmm. uh, for some of us, we're at the top of the watershed here. Uh, yeah, water and zoning and mental health. And mental health seems like one that's more of a national issue. So you get to experience the difference between the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union issues versus the National Farmers Union issues. Um, can you talk a little bit more about maybe some of the national issues versus local issues? Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, it gets so broad. Um, like we, ha- we are in such a niche spot in, in the West here. Um, and, and water and kind of the landscape that we live among and steward is, is so unique to our culture and then all the issues that we face. Um, I think nationally on that scale, like some shared issues we have are really like, I, I mean, I think um, consolidation and, and agribusiness kind of pushing out a lot of small producers is, is a really big issue. Um, and certainly 2023 coming up is a year for the farm bill. Um, and so that is going to bring forth, um, a lot of, I think, heated and fascinating debate around, you know, what we fund, how we fund it, what are the actual results of that? Um, and I'm seeing increasing calls for, um, yeah, programs that are funding not so much like these commodities and, and, and feeds, but more, more focusing on, um, trying to provide, safety nets for people who also grow food, not feed and, mm-hmm. and, and grow like, um, more diversified crops, which historically have been harder to, um, kind of provide insurance for through the farm bill because, because it's more diverse, it's more complex. It's harder to prescribe like a one size fits all when your, your small farm looks so different from all the other ones around you. 
Um, so I think 2023 will be an exciting farm bill. And uh, I some... mean, it'll leverage a lot of money over the next five years. So it has a lot of uh, potential to impact kind of what our food systems look like. And are there some, grant, are there some grants to be looked at for diverse farming? Uh, where, where would you look for those? Yeah, I mean, I, I really have to give it up to Colorado Department of Ag. I think they um, do a really great job in, in listening to our producers and then trying to provide those those grants. Um, I know something that just got passed um, during our Colorado legislation session um, was uh, continued funding for the, the uh, workforce program that allows um, farmers to be able to better pay like interns and apprentices. Um, I think they also expanded the the uh, duration of an internship that they allowed from six months to 12 months, which makes a big difference both for the farm owner and the farm worker um, to be able to get some support and and paying people fair wages. Um, so that's been really cool. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's also like food pantry assistance grant um, has been really great to to get food to people who need it most while still paying farmers fairly. Um, yeah, there's a number of things out there I would recommend checking out with the, the Colorado Department of Ag website. Because the permaculture approach is to use small and slow solutions and to stack functions. So the future of farming, hopefully, optimistically, could be more small, diversified farms as opposed to large, consolidated agribusinesses. Yeah. And we've got we've got slow money here in the Valley that supported a lot of our local producers, Um I know down in like the upper Arkansas Valley, I know of um, SOIL, the Sangre de Cristo um, SOIL program, which is, is similar to Slow Money, providing those kind of low or no interest loans to farmers, which makes makes a big difference. Um, yeah. Ed and Vardis does a great job uh, running that and running the Edible, edible Aspen and uh, the Farm Collaborative. And uh, he, he and um, Casey have just join forces. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, partnership goes. And uh, yeah. yeah, and I know we've just um, written in as supporting a grant application for them. So we'll see what comes of that. But yeah, yeah. I supported that as well. That's, I'm part of that as an education component, even though I'm doing everything illegally. But, uh, you know, it's like, you know, they've got to come after me <laughs> as a farmer now. Uh, let them lawyer up on that one. Uh, oh, well, we are hoping we can inspire, continue to inspire new generations of farmers because that's exactly what the world needs to solve all of our environmental problems. And one program to, to cultivate new farmers is the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, or maybe it's the National Farmers Union Fellowship Program, which Jen participated in. So, Jen, would you tell us about your experience in the fellowship program and how that built your your approach to public policy and farming in general? Yeah, yeah. So National Farmers Union does have an awesome program called Beginner Farmer Institute, which I also recommend. But honing in here on Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, they offer this really great fellows program on a yearly basis. And it's it's a leadership and advocacy training program for adults who are in the field of agriculture or in adjacent supporting roles to agriculture. And it is a year-long program. There's four sessions, which we gather for. And um, when I did it in uh, 2021, 2022, uh, we had a, a, about like a dozen just incredible individuals in our cohort. Um, and so through this program, we kind of um, we participate in the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union policy setting procedure where they they gather up all their members across three states. And there's this really rich policy debate um, as they set 
forth what they will use to ultimately be lobbying at the capital levels at state and national. Um, and then to that point, we went to the state and national capitals. We went to Denver. We went to Washington, D.C., and we advocated on what policies our members wanted to see with members of Congress and their staff, and then also had an opportunity to tour um, southern Colorado and the San Luis Valley, which is just this fascinating agricultural hub of the state. Um, we learned about potatoes and barley and hemp and quinoa and and kind of local food distribution and community food efforts down there and and certainly water. Um, so I, I really loved kind of the balance of this program. Like it provided a lot of support in learning the policy process and how to be an effective advocate, all of which I have had zero training or classes or experience in before starting to participate with Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. And then it also kind of linked us in with what is happening in our state. It linked us in with each other as cohort members who were all doing really different but really cool things. And and, you know, as like a lot of my experiences with Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, it was a it was a great way to deepen and kind of challenge my perspectives on what agriculture looks like or should look like or what our differences as producers are and what our shared challenges and opportunities and hopes are. Um, I know like I kind of often make the joke or, or maybe it's not a joke um, that I'm personally kind of this recovering cynic. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love to complain and I'm like always like kind of side eyeing things for B.S., But like kind of getting involved in this advocacy work has really shown me how empowering it is to actually do something about it beyond complaining, you know, to like to share your story and share your voice. And and people do want to hear from you. And it just feels a lot better than just yelling into the wind about (laughs) causes that rile you up. So um, the program itself does like cover all the costs of lodging and meals. And so it was um, really just kind of asks of some time of you and like an occasional drive which made it accessible to me as like a farm worker who is not necessarily making too much money. Um, so I definitely recommend it for anyone who wants to learn more about food systems and advocacy, but but needs that extra support to do so if you like don't know where to start. Well, it's like uh, learn while you work, right? That's our MO at Crimpy. And uh, we have a new program, Agroforestry School, and we're launching that this year. Uh, we've got uh, farms and uh, in Paonia, and uh, we're doing some stuff in Steamboat, and then also at Crimpy, as, as, uh, we have a model there, the Forest Garden, and then we have um, workshops uh, in Maryland, uh, right around Frederick's, uh, uh, kind of centering around the Pow Pow Festival, and we're going to be doing a four-day agroforestry workshop there, and then we go down to Florida, at um, in Jacksonville, Eat Your Jacksonville is a nursery there that uh, Tim has been working with us and taught down at the uh, permaculture class in Puerto Rico. So he's hosting us there for four days, and we'll probably have some other. And then we'll be going to Puerto Rico as well. It's working at, at Stephanie's new farm, and um, she's setting you know going to be setting up an agroforestry component there in her her operation. So in June, we have another two-day workshop on forest gardening and greenhouses. And then we have our PDC is going to be over in Paonia this year. That's going to be fun. And, and we'll come back t- to Crimpy to do some hands-on uh, at our place. So, it's a- so as our listeners can see, whether it's actually getting your hands in the dirt or working directly with animals or getting more involved in farming public policy, 
There are a lot of opportunities to learn more about a career in farming through the uh, National Farmers Union Beginning Farmer Institute and the Fellowship Program and the Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute Agroforestry School. Jen, uh, would you, what kind of advice or encouragement would you provide to anybody considering pursuing a career in farming? Oh gosh, I feel like I'm chock full of advice, but I don't know that I actually take it myself. Um, I think some advice I would have was to be, ooh, I guess like be, be in awe of all that you don't know year after year because farming is just incredibly humbling and you're never going to run out of things to learn or ways to fail. Um, I think being creative and flexible and collaborating and asking for support when you need it. I think beyond farming, everyone needs to like improve their financial literacy because this is also something I'm realizing I was never taught and I'm, I'm playing catch up. Um, but like do some serious accounting for yourself, um, like understand the lifestyle that you want to maintain and how your pay fits into that or doesn't. Um, I think fostering kind of like a genuine curiosity around agriculture, like asking more questions than maybe making statements and and kind of knowing that you can always learn something from someone. Um, trying to reach a point of understanding and respect for those who do it differently than you. Like you don't have to agree with a person necessarily to just offer them the gift of respect as a human being. Um, I think seeking out just greater contexts, like learning the history of what you're interested in, including the good and the bad and, and how it's still with us today. Um, I think acknowledging privileges that you hold in different spaces is really important, especially in agriculture. We have a, a pretty rife history um, that does include like a lot of um, racism and discrimination that's still present to today. Um, I think being empathetic of experiences and perspectives of others. And then like, you know, to the mental health thing, like trying to build balance in your life because burnout and stress is not going to serve your dreams ultimately and and being patient kind of with your process, you know, like people who you admire in your field, um, are, they're still just people. <laughs> they just like committed to showing up day after day and now they're here. And so like you can do that too, you know, follow your own path and and find mentors, seek out mentors, but you know, also don't don't romanticize any people as heroes, but have good mentors in your life. I have a, I have a lot of advice. <laughs> Right. Well, if anybody is considering pursuing a career in farming or quitting their cubicle job and, and just transitioning to farming, you can reach out to all of us and you could possibly come to our uh, Roaring Fork Farmers and Ranchers meeting on Tuesday, May 16th. Um, Jen can be reached at jen.gigirelli at rmfu.org. That's jen.g-h-i-g-i-a-r-e-l-l-i wow. at rmfu.org. Just go to the rmfu.org website and find me there. Don't be writing that down. Okay. Yeah. And Jerome, of course, can be reached at jerome at crmpi.org, or you can call 970 970- Four five six thirty four eighty, or they can uh, go on our website crmpi.org for and all, all our activities for that year. And we also do greenhouse consulting under ecosystems design. So we design uh, greenhouses and property design. And people are, are are concerned about their you know where their food's coming from, and they're they're looking at um, you know doing uh, getting on board. And I can be reached at Vanessa at ColoradoEdibleForest.com. 
So thank you to our listeners for exploring careers in farming and issues facing our local and regional farming community today on Living Permaculture. We look forward to talking with you next month. Thank you, Jen, very much for your time on the show. Thank you, guys, for who you are and what you do. Oh, grandfather, tell me how it was when you were young. Was the world so...